0: I think one of the craziest things about this documentary is the stories that we've, we hear and, and learn about, you know, from a dysfunctional standpoint. I always knew there was trouble in Paradise, but not to this extent. I'm picturing Aaron Rodgers watching the draft, and then he sees a quarterback get drafted for 15 straight years, no skill positions available for him to use. I can only imagine what he's going through. As a guy who's in the NBA, I get a lot of tweets about my performance, or lack thereof at times, and I feel like, as a fan of a sport like football, there's nothing like the excitement of draft day. Welcome to the 107th episode of Pull Up That's Right, episode number 107, and this is the 2020 NFL Draft Edition. We will have a bunch of special guests on that we pulled from Twitter, Instagram, the community app, as well as one of my hometown hero friends, Jeremy Allen. I appreciate everyone joining as always and tuning in faithfully to the pull-up pause. This is an important note. This will be our last episode before a brief hiatus. As a result, we will have a special treat for you listeners, as I've mentioned before. So tons and tons of stuff to get into, starting with obviously The Last Dance, uh, which aired episodes three and four uh, on Sunday. I have started this routine of ordering pizza and wings along with celery uh, for the last dance to celebrate the first weekend. I had a deep dish pizza uh, delivered from Chicago. Uh, special shout out to the deep dish delivery folks who sent that in the mail. That was beautiful. But Jordan, this episode gave us a brief and detailed look into Dennis Robbins' life, his impact not only on the Chicago Bulls, but also on the Detroit Pistons and the game of basketball in general. What were you most surprised about? with the Dennis Rodman segment in segue,
1: So my thing with Rodman going into this was how, how much depth are they going to get into with his relationship with Phil and in turn with the rest of the team, specifically Mike and Scotty. And I was so happy to see firsthand Rodman discussing that when, when Phil Jackson first met with him about becoming a Chicago Bull, his answer, his response was, "I don't care," <laughs> and that he was basically late to the meeting. Comes in wearing a hat, doesn't shake Phil's hand, sits down, and Phil's just like, you know what, what's going on here? Because I don't think anybody on the Bulls, especially Mike and Scotty, um, were prepared for the what Rodman could do. For the team, but but more importantly, what what he would be like from a distraction standpoint. You know, I, I I just don't understand how in that day and age you bring in Rodman to an already insane circus, and not only does it work, but he thrives within that
0: atmosphere. I think one of the craziest things about this documentary is the stories that we we hear and, and learn about, you know, from a dysfunctional standpoint. I always knew there was trouble in paradise, but not to this extent to where Scotty openly asked for a trade, requested a trade to the public. Dennis Robbins requesting vacations in the middle of the season. He stays out longer than he's supposed to. Mike has to fly to Vegas and go get him out of bed. There's just all these underlying stories. Obviously, Jerry was trying to get rid of the team. He He found Phil Jackson fired Doug Collins after Doug Collins took him to two consecutive Eastern Conference uh, finals appearances, fires him, hires Phil Jackson, which was a a bold and risky move because Mike was, Mike didn't like Phil, Mike loved Doug Collins, there was just all these like little stories that we learned about, and it's funny, like reading, reading between the lines, Doug Collins was a great coach, but they felt like he was burning Michael out. Like Michael's averaging 35, uh, 35 points a night. Basically, career average was 34 uh, with, with Doug Collins. So I think it's just dope to get all those stories. And then people don't understand how dominant Dennis Rodman was. Dennis Rodman was an animal. He's multiple def- uh, multiple all-defensive teams, multiple championships, defensive player of the year on two different teams. Him, him being able to accomplish those things 20 rebound games, no points, no shot attempts sometimes, being able to single-handedly go from guarding Magic Johnson to guarding James Worthy, to guarding the center. He was versatile enough to do just about everything on the basketball court that impacted winning, which is, is crazy. And I think you really got to see that with him being able to really lock down Jordan at times, not lock down, like, Stop him. But being able to contain Scottie, getting Scotty's head when he was in Detroit, and then switching, switching the setting a little bit to where he came to Chicago and completely revamped that team and gave them that bad boy image and, and toughness that they lacked.
1: So Jordan and Pippen, they, they knew that Dennis was going to be a big help, right? They were a proponent of it. But I don't think anybody. Like understood the impact that Dennis could have from a physicality. and And that was one of my takeaways. If you think about Dennis Robinson CJ, and the impact he had on basketball, I'm not sure there ever really was someone that was that physical and unselfish and also so talented at his craft that we could see, and I don't know if we ever will see another player like him that was so, um, so just flat-out not concerned with his own level of offense. Like, they didn't call – I bet you during his entire tenure with Chicago – they didn't call a single play for him. And we think about a lot of big guys today. I was trying to imagine how Dennis would be today. We think about a lot of bigs today trying to get guys involved early in games, trying to keep them motivated. A lot of players, even, even guards, like if they don't get their offense, they're not going to be able to lock in defensively and have that same level of effort and cohesion. Dennis didn't care at all. He was so locked in with his mindset. And there's that great image of him watching the film, right, in the locker room of a guy and his misses. He used to study, voraciously study misses so that he could comprehend how to get rebounds, weak side rebounds, where that ball was gonna go, what the spin was. He was a mastermind and he was so dedicated to it that the Bulls of all people, Phil Jackson, were were able to move past all the distractions and allow him a 48 hour vacation to Las Vegas in the middle of the season.
0: And the sickest part is that he didn't return in 48 hours. He stayed longer than he was supposed to. And almost to say, like, look, I'm not coming back unless one of y'all come get me because I'm lost in this life and I'm truly enjoying it. And for a fun stat for you, this was in the group chat last night. Chuck put this in the group chat. Five is the number of games Dennis Rodman finished with 30-plus rebounds in his career. Eight is the number of games where all players over the last 30 years individually have recorded at least 30 rebounds. So that tells you, like, how dominant and impactful he was from a rebounding standpoint. The guy would get offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, guard one through five, actively talk, and as Michael Jordan put it, was one of the smartest players he's ever played with.
1: Yeah, do you think, do you think at the time, Mike and Scotty and Phil— like do you think they really understood who and what Dennis was or do you feel like they were so caught up in like winning championships that maybe the bigger picture of his impact on the game was was lost on them to a degree?
0: I think Jordan realized how impactful and important Rodman was when he lost to him in Detroit. I think that's when it, I think that's when it kind of opened their eyes because he was guarding all of them. Exactly. And he, he basically took Scotty out of that uh that last game when they ended up losing by twenty. Well that was the
1: migraine game. But did you see did you pick up on Mike's
0: thing He said he had a headache. Mike Mike <laughs> Mike was low key throwing shade. Like he said he has a headache, but I mean it's the f- it's the finals, the finals. He was like,
1: yeah, he was like, yeah, that's what you want to call
0: it. But I think that's when they really realized the importance of Dennis Robin. And then Mike really leaned on Dennis when Scotty was out. Scotty missed like the first 35 games uh, when he was sitting out with his injury, kind of rehabbing and then just refusing to come back. And that's when they got the most locked in version of Dennis Robin because he realized, hey, Mike needs me. I'm this number two guy now. Like I'm. Instead of three amigos, it's just us. And I think that's when Dennis really relished the opportunity to show who he was and, and what he could really be.
1: I was just blown away by – I was trying to think about, again, like comparing it to today because I, I can't help but watch Michael and, and the Bulls and wonder how their dynasty would stack up today and how, how the rule changes would benefit Michael with no hand checking. It's literally the Jordan rules. But one of the things that really struck me was – The impact that Dennis had, yes, but more specifically, the impact the Bulls had on Dennis. The ability for Dennis to look deep into himself and understand that Phil Jackson, for the first time in his life, as much as he loved Chuck Daly, and he's talked openly about Chuck Daly was God, but Phil Jackson was his Moses. (laughs) That's literally what he said. I've, I've gone back and listened to interviews subsequently, and he's talked about Phil Jackson almost like he's this otherworldly presence in his life. And that Phil Jackson, for the first time, truly understood him, not just as a coach, but as a person and not just as a player, but as like a soul in the universe, as Dennis would put it. And I I think would, it really stood out to me, like that impact they had on one another, not just basketball.
0: I think what we learned from the documentary was that Phil was the type of coach to go out his way to get to know you on a personal level. Uh, He was the type of coach to be open-minded to anything based on how he grew up, what he's seen. He talked about the Cowboys and the Indians, you know, as an analogy and said that he always grew up as the Indian. So he kind of related more so towards them. He was more experimental. And even in the book he wrote, uh, he talked about doing acid (laughs) and actually being being high in New York City— uh, growling like a lion and a tiger. So that just kind of tells you how open he was to everything. His methods of hot yoga, uh, regular yoga, practicing uh, meditation and mindfulness pre and post-practice. Even Melo talked about how when he was in New York, they would start film with 10 minutes of meditation and, and focused breathing. So Phil has always been a forward thinker and a type of guy who plays mind games with you, but he gets, he gets to know you on a personal level so that he can kind of get the best out of you. And I think Phil... Obviously, Chuck Daly being one of those two coaches who were willing to go the extra mile. And those are the type of coaches that can deal with a Michael Jordan ego, can deal with a Michael Jordan competitive spirit to where he might leave practice and then the next day you still like have that same relationship and respect for him because you understand his competitiveness. You give Dennis Rodman a vacation to Las Vegas in the middle of the season because you understand the value and importance of him and how that little break will recharge him and he'll be locked in for this championship run. It doesn't hurt when you've already won multiple championships as well so that you kind of understand like, hey, we know what to expect from him. But that just kind of shows you how great Phil was. And I think Steve Kerr some of that greatness rubbed off on him and he was using some of those same methods with the Warriors. And uh, I think that was, that's what I kind of learned from it that him being in those environments and around those guys and those teams helped make him a better coach.
1: Go back to the beginning of what you were talking about with Doug Collins and Phil Jackson and, in parts one and two, there's no secret that Jerry Krause was crucified. Like he was, and and like I said, the, the two people going into the Jordan, are going into The Last Dance, that were going to come out the, looking the worst were Isaiah and Jerry Krause. And how bad depended on what the filmmaker really wanted to show. And we've now seen both. So in episodes one and two, it was Krause. In three and four, it's Isaiah. But as bad as it was for Krause to tear down that dynasty after six titles in eight years and six and all oh in the finals, for him to have the fortitude to... Replaced Doug Collins, who had just taken the Bulls to the Eastern Conference Finals, with Phil Jackson, who had never been a head coach, and his only real coaching experience was on the bus, listening in, in the <laughs> locker room, <laughs> delegating to Tex winner. So all of that like, Jerry Krause, he, he, he knew something wasn't quite what it needed to be, right? But it wasn't broken. It wasn't like Chicago wasn't winning games, and it wasn't like Doug Collins was well-revered was well around the league. And my, and for, for Jerry Krause to say, Phil, we're going to bring you on, basically at that point Phil barely done playing and hadn't had any experience, knowing that Michael didn't have a great relationship with him. That says a lot about Jerry Krause's convictions and what maybe might not have been had Phil Jackson – ultimately not have been
0: the coach I think Jerry deserves a lot of credit honestly being able to handpick Scottie Pippen you know trading Charles Oakley who was Jordan's best friend firing Jordan's favorite coach like he did a lot of things for the betterment of the team thinking long term figuring out strategically how to match and mesh certain players it's funny because you look at some of the guys Jordan played against Jordan played against Rodman Rodman became his teammate Jordan played against Ron Harper Harper becomes his teammate. You kind of see like a, a reoccurring theme here to where they're starting to learn from their opponents and then from a learn from your mistakes and from a franchise understanding, whatever it takes to win a championship is what we're going to be willing to do. And you can kind of compare that to Toronto. Toronto, coach of the year. Coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. Coach of the year gets fired. Nick Nurse, the assistant coach, coming from the G League. Similar situation. They trade their their franchise player. All these things happen and they're rewarded with a championship. And it's just kind of like in order to have great reward, sometimes you got to be willing to make great risk. And I think Jerry was willing to do that to the extent that it became him wanting to break up the team later on. But that was after six championships.
1: Yeah, we, we, we know Jerry Krause was not oh, without his fault. And there's no question that Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, empowered him. And it worked out for a very long time. And getting Scottie Pippen on draft night, from, from Seattle and, and realizing that Scotty Pippen, who was at that point this raw kid out of central Arkansas, could be the Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman, and then bringing in Coach. And you think about the, the other part, before we get to our, our fantastic guest here, the part that stood out to me, CJ, was when Mike said, I don't want Bill Cartwright taking the last shot. That's, <laughs> we're balanced offing. That's just bullshit. <laughs> You know, and then they had the the image of Bill Cartwright basically airballing a (laughs) (laughs) four-footer. But the reason I bring that up is because I always felt like, especially now watching it, I always felt like the Bulls players were empowered to speak their mind. And Michael, even when it wasn't popular, and even though Bill Cartwright was his guy, like nobody was allowed to mess with Bill Cartwright on that team. And nobody on any other team was allowed to mess with the right? Because, Michael, that was Mike's guy. But for Michael to say, Phil, I love you, but you're not getting the ball here. Like, everything was so calculated. And Phil, that goes back to Phil, I think, empowering his players and allowing them to speak their mind and know that even if it was an unpopular opinion or it was something that he didn't agree with, that he was going to listen to everybody and allow them at least a chance to express
0: their voice. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And since it's the last episode, I figured I would say it. The great thing about Phil Jackson is that he catered the team towards everyone. They say Doug Collins kept the team towards Mike, and that's when they unleashed the best version of Scottie Pippen, which led to the best version of the Bulls winning multiple championships. But without further ado, it's only right that we bring on our special guest. We wanted to get some basketball talking before we go to the NFL draft. The NFL draft just wrapped up. Seven rounds done virtually. What a time to be alive. What a world we're living in right now. I want to welcome our first special guest, Jeremy Allen. I want to make sure I'm saying everything right. Jeremy went to Glen Oak High School. Played football with my brother. He's a football expert, a guy who knows everything about the draft. He researches NFL players. He knows everything about Buckeyes. Fiona, be quiet. He knows everything about the Buckeyes and has continued to figure out ways to study and love the game. Jeremy, welcome to the Pull-Up Pod, my friend. How are you? How are you living, first and foremost? How are you doing? What is
2: going on? Yeah, we're, leaving, we're living good. Everything's going good here. I'm actually I'm, I'm sitting next to your brother right now.
0: And, uh, oh, I like it. Know,
2: we are... We're sitting here and we're, you know, we're just chatting and talking. We were listening to you guys talk about the Bulls and, uh, and you know, episode three and four and kind of agree with everything you said on how crazy it was, you know, to let Rodman leave for 48 hours. And obviously him stay for about a week. Uh, you know, some some good things going on. You know, the last dance definitely doing numbers. I know I was tuned in as, as the rest of the world was. Uh Love it. But yeah, no, let's if you want to talk draft, let's talk let's talk draft.
0: Let's talk draft. I think first things first, it's only right we talk about our Cleveland Browns and then we can focus more so on the entire draft. But how would you grade and rate the Cleveland Browns draft this year? Thoughts on it? What do you what are you expecting from our selections?
2: So early in the draft, you know, we're at pick ten and a lot of things are falling into place for this offensive lineman that we're gonna get. And and I'm kind of I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, ooh, you know, who's it going to be? Who's going to be the guy that comes in and takes over left tackle? And it's basically going to be that, that heir apparent to Joe Thomas. You know, we, had, we got Lucky, and we got Joe Thomas. and He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, you know, we're sitting there, and next thing I know, the name, you know, Jedrick Wills comes up. And I was excited. I was excited because I know how, how that Alabama – Offensive line is, and that's an NFL type offensive line. The only problem I had with the pick is we took a right tackle. <laughs> but I thought about it for a while. You know, I didn't let my emotions take over. And you know, he did. He did block to his blindside. Which, when you're a blindside blocker, you have to have this mentality. You got to be angry all the time for no. I like offense. it. You got like to look at the person across from you and think that they're taking your lunch money. They're trying, to, they're trying to take everything from you. They want to take your mama's house. And, they, and, and you're not going to let that happen. And, and I, like, I like the anger that he has. You, know, you, can, see, you can see the punch in his hands when, when he gets his hands on somebody. His hips are fluid. That first step is good. And I love the fact that Joe Thomas tweeted right afterwards that he wants to work with him. So if anyone is going to teach you how to play that premier position to keep Baker upright, you know, you want a Hall of Famer doing that. Along with Bill Callahan, who regarded around the league as one of the best offensive line coaches, um, I think you really have a star in the making and hopefully someone you can keep for 10 years to protect that blind side.
0: That was a a brilliant analysis. Well, thank you. I couldn't have said a lot of those things better myself. And I love how you talked about the fluidity. Mean hands, fluid hips. This is coming from a. This is a guy who played lineman. So, like when you when you talk about fluidity and hips and hands, I could see the tenacity and the flashbacks, the flashbacks of your days back in Ohio when you were protecting the heartline, not the heartline that played for the Dolphins, but the other (laughs) heartline. Talking about our second pick.
2: So yeah, so Grant Delpit. If you know the name, you know he's a Thorpe winner. You heard all about him in 19 early on, that this is, this is the premier guy. This is supposed to be a top-five pick. Well, you look at the 18 year that he had. He had this great year. He should have won the Thorpe Award in 18. He should have maybe came out in 18. But he comes back to LSU because he's got unfinished business. Him and his boys are going to get together, and he knows they're going for a ride. Unfortunately, he has that upper ankle injury, that high ankle sprain. And you can kind of tell that he favors it throughout the season. He's missing some tackles that he was making the year before. He just doesn't look in sync like he did. Nothing against him. I think he played great. And if I'm going to be 100 percent honest, I wanted Antoine Winfield, Jr. That's me personally. Nothing wrong with Grant. I think Grant coming in, it depends on what you get. If you get a kid who is his 18 version you got a, a, a hitter, you got a dog, you got somebody that Denzel Ward, you can leave him out there by himself and not worry about things because Grant's going to come up and he's going to hit a running back that's taken off. And you got to remember, we got Lamar Jackson twice a year. So if Lamar takes off, I want to know that we got a safety who's going to come down along with a linebacker that's fired. Grant Delpit's a hitter. So um, I'm good with Grant Delpit. He, he's, he, we just got to get him back to that 18-form and not have him out there looking a little confused. But that's okay because I think, I think a Joe Woods defense coming from San Francisco, you're going to see him playing with that tenacity again, and he's going to be looking to knock heads off.
0: I love it. I love it. And before we get on to our next guest, I have to leave with this one final question. Grade our draft. Grade it.
2: Grade the whole, the whole draft, top to bottom. So top of the draft, I'm watching those first couple rounds, and I'm like, man, we're killing it. We're doing good. Getting into the middle, and, and I had a couple reserves in there, a couple things I was a little uh, about. But we ended the draft getting Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I think that might be a steal of a pick. That's a guy that you get in the sixth round that when, when he was coming out of high school, you're talking about number one receiver in the nation coming out of high school, goes to Michigan. And no slouch on Michigan. We can talk as bad as Buckeye fans as we are. We can talk bad. About Michigan all day But the fact is They put 10 guys Into the draft this year And Donovan Peoples-Jones Should have been Graded higher He should have went higher Donovan Peoples-Jones Is the type of guy That you can line up Across from Odell Beckham Move Jarvis inside a little bit And you can really make Some magic happen Overall I'd probably give us a B A solid B A high B Maybe not a B plus But right there
0: Uh, I'm gonna go B minus I'm gonna be a harsh critic This year because Historically, I've been overzealous, and now I want to like temper my expectations a little bit to where hopefully, as you said before, hopefully, our safety pans out. Hopefully, our right tackle becoming a left tackle is the dog that we need, the Joe Thomas-type player who's a 10-year veteran Hall of Famer that protects, protects Baker, allows Baker to get off and have a, a serious season this year to where he's not scrambling right every time. He's not throwing the ball into double, triple coverage. He's able to kind of settle in. He has time to go through his progressions. We set up the run with the pass, and we have a successful season in which we go 9-7. You know, I, I want to say 10-6, and 6, but 10-6 and 6 did me a lot of damage on Twitter last year, so I got to temper expectations with 9-7.
2: It's not going to be fun. You play Lamar twice. You play Pitt twice. and I don't care what anyone says. Pitt can be having a bad year like they did last year with no Ben, but Pitt's going to come out, and they're going to play you. Since he got better, you know, since he's – if you got A.J. Green coming back healthy in Cincinnati, we got some things that we got to be ready for. And that speaks again that there's going to be on one side, Greedy's on the other side, ready to step up into that that number two corner.
0: So we got action. We got action. But once again, J-Man, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your knowledge. That was beautiful. You were, you were eloquent, you were elegant, and you were well-versed on top to bottom. And that's what we like to see. My guy, Brian, I seen the name, I had to say it. I love how you have the jersey in the background to really show your true fandom. J-Man had the hat. We're seeing all these little slights that really signify our love. And you got the sweater on. You guys have an interesting quarterback, so I'm looking forward to hearing from you to get that feedback about this draft and how I thought y'all was going to trade for Cam Newton or sign Cam Newton.
3: Yeah, that would have been nice. Um, I'm going to start with the Bears aren't going to make a deep run in the playoffs because of their quarterback. Again, <laughs> they built their team to, to play defense and, you know, in the past run the ball. Still think we got some issues when we, for running the ball. But, you know, for our draft, we definitely had issues um, for the, our tight end position. Um, we we moved on from uh, our boy Trey Burton. He's at the Colts now. So we went and drafted uh, Cole Kemet from uh, Notre Dame, a local boy. Um, he is the the, the best tight end that was you know in the draft class. You know it's a weaker draft class, but uh, pairing him with signing with Jimmy Graham, they're they're addressing the need that they had there. Um, I'm not sure they're they're going about it the right way. There's some other guys like OJ Howard they could have went after, um, but you know. We got 10 tight ends now. They're going to have a, a competitive training camp, much like last year, where they thought that it was important to have a competitive uh, with the kickers. So we had 10 kickers in camp. think this year it's going to be a battle for the tight end to, to, to improve that position. Um, as we move on in the draft, uh, another one, a player I want to talk about was Jalen Johnson, who um, will hopefully be able to have an impact right away. Uh, we lost Prince Amukumara, Um so we I think he can step right in and and fill that role in and he is apparently an effective pass corner which with Mac and Quinn getting pressure on the quarterback that could uh, open up the potential for him to be an impact player right away um, and him and Kyle Flora should sure up the secondary um, but this draft really was over two years ago when we traded for Mac um, we gave up a bunch of you know, first round picks in the '19 and this year. So for me, the the Bears, you know, we already kind of won this draft by getting Mac. You know, we have him signed up. The guy's in his prime right now. Um, so with, with you know, moving forward with him and signing Quinn, uh, I'm looking forward to getting that Bears the monsters of midway back and just. Making
0: havoc on quarterbacks. I like it. I like it. So basically, you're still going through the early stages of a Browns fan, unsure of your quarterback, uh, trying to figure out the future, but understanding that the playoffs isn't a real possibility. On the bright side, (laughs) you have a great defense. I'm a big fan of Mac. He's a hitter. He's an all-world Hall of Fame type player. If you guys get that quarterback situation figured out, you'll have some real action going forward. And it's not to say that he can't figure it out because sometimes there's that rookie wall, that sophomore slump that you go through trying to read an offense, trying to figure out your progressions and checkdowns. But needless to say, Cam Newton could be the answer to all your problems.
3: If there's an injury and and he's out there, there's, there's no reason why they wouldn't go after him. If one of those guys, Mitch or Nick, goes down in the preseason or something, um, and Cam's not signed. I, I would be upset if they didn't try to, you know, go after him. Um, but being in the NFC North, uh, the Packers are doing us favors by uh, the way they handled their draft. Their best two players, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. They went after quarterback to back him up and a running back to back him up. So I feel like they really uh, dropped the ball in this draft. And as as a Bears fan, that's a win for me. So.
0: I love it. I love it. I seen that pic and I was confused. Honestly, I'm picturing Aaron Rodgers somewhere uh, not tropical. He he's, he seems like the type of guy who's probably you know modern cabin somewhere, ducked off in the middle of nowhere, watching the draft. With
3: handcuffs, got crystals, rubbing them on the himself. <laughs>
0: And then he sees a quarterback get drafted for 15 straight years, no skill positions available for him to use. I can only imagine what he's going through. And he's another quarterback who could be available soon, based on what we're seeing, because he may be extremely unhappy after this next season. I
3: was heard. I was told that they didn't even tell Rodgers they were taking him a quarterback, so he's probably upset about that. It's going to be. It's. It's basically the beginning of the end of Aaron Rodgers. There, my opinion. I mean, this is the first chip to fall. So something else is going to come up, in my opinion.
0: I agree. I agree. I appreciate the insight. Where, where would you grade this draft? You gave me the the, the breakdown of each player. Obviously, the cornerback position has been huge for you. Um, where would you grade this draft for the Bears? Uh,
3: I, I'm gonna. It was it was average, uh, but I'm gonna bump it up a little bit because this draft was affected by that Mac trade because they gave up so much to get them. Uh, so I'm going to bump them up to like a B minus because we, in the end we have Mac from this, um, this draft. Um, and, you know, we, we addressed some needs that we had a tight end and a quarterback. So I'm going to go with you and your Browns and give them a B minus. Just like you.
0: I like it. I like it. Once again, I appreciate you joining the pull-up pod. We want to remind all our listeners out there that we have a special edition pull-up pod where we're featuring guests, football fans from different teams from Twitter Instagram, as well as the community app. So stay locked in. We're going to have another guest up here shortly. Brian, we appreciate you. We know a lot of parents out there are working hard while still teaching <laughs> and doing many other things. So his handle currently is Charlotte because his t- <laughs> shout out to Charlotte for using Zoom and continuing to be a great student. Schultz, it's all you. Bringing in a special guest
1: at ten, 185 pounds. Out of the University of Oregon, Barone McKinley. So, what's up? What's up? Barone, my man, um, I figured it'd be great to have you. a <laughs> yeah, big fan right there. I figured it'd be great to have you on to talk draft, talk Justin Herbert, your teammate, um, talk about some of these DBs. And uh, also, another reason I wanted to have you on is like CJ, you're. I know you're really interested in, in, uh, in broadcast journalism and media, and you've done some really fun YouTube videos. So welcome to the Pull-Up Pod. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Pleasure. So let's start with your teammate, Justin Herbert, who obviously had a great career, Eugene guy, true Oregon duck. Um, tell, us, tell us something about Justin that maybe the, the public wouldn't know about him as a person and what kind of leader he is in addition to his, uh, his prowess as a player. Uh well
4: well off the field Justin Justin's funny uh, he has kind of like that dry humor and he's just funny but he's a competitor at everything whether we're playing basketball I played basketball with him multiple times bowling golf anything we play Justin's trying to win and like he gets serious like especially like we were playing pickup basketball as a team and who I don't remember who it was but he went and dunked on somebody and he was like whoa so I mean he's he's an athlete too he's like a freak athlete and he doesn't get credit for it they give him credit for it like in the Wisconsin game but. But he's definitely a free athlete. So those are probably things that I think nominated about.
1: Them. He had the three touchdown runs against Wisconsin. You weren't
4: surprised at all? Not at all. I mean, we've been saying run all year, like he's he's wide open, he just runs and three touchdowns just like that. So
1: Well why do you think why do you think some of there was some criticism about like him not being like the most vocal leader and but is he a guy that you trust when the game's
4: on the line? Definitely. I I trust him because he, he knows everything he's doing. Sometimes he's more of a lead by example type of guy. So that's why there was all speculation of how he may not be a good leader. Or he doesn't talk as much. Justin definitely talks, and he definitely brings us together as a team. But sometimes, like, forget all the talking. Let's just – let's play ball.
1: So that's, that's something about him. What about some of the DBs in the draft? So, who like, we talked about Delpit. Uh, obviously, Akuda went three. Who did you – who are the DBs that you really like? Oh, wait – uh, well, see, I,
4: I'm I'm big friends with uh, Jeff Okuda. A lot of those guys, honestly. I've known Jeff since I was a freshman. So just to see him go early, I already knew kind of Jeff's whole trajectory and where he was going to go. But, I mean, uh, Damon Arnett was somebody as well that I was like, I could see. He went him. way higher than
5: people
4: thought. People had him low, like, late first Dude, or through second. Yeah. He oh, wait. Another one. And then. Delpit, the Antonio Winfield, Xavier McKinney. I was kind of surprised some of those guys didn't go in the first round, honestly. Um, I definitely like those three, especially. McKinney's they, good,
1: yeah. Um, what, what about – I know you, you guys are playing Utah. What, what did you make of Jalen Johnson? Because I, I, thought, I thought he was really good. Uh,
4: I saw Jalen Johnson my freshman year when I registered and went to Utah, and I had heard about him, and I was like, okay, like, I'm, I want to see it. I want to see it in person. And he's real deal. His arm, he's still he was in his stance. Super long. He stood up, and I was like, whoa, he's not – I thought he was like 5'11". He, he's about one. His arms are long. I mean, he's a great player. His feet, his good technique, I was, just, I was impressed.
1: Yeah, I, like when – so, as a DB, when you're watching other DBs, that, that's what I'm curious. Like, what are you – are you watching their feet, the way they play the ball? Like, what – how do you – how do you evaluate? Uh, I mean, I just
4: kind of start with the stance. Like, how does he get in the stance? So what are his – like, his mannerisms? Kind of how he actually feels? Because, you know, it's all about swagger at DB. So I grew in confidence. So that's kind of the first thing you want to see. And then I kind of look at the technique and if he can tackle. Technique and being able to tackle and track the ball. Different people have different ball skills. So like when the ball's in the air, I'm down the field on the fade route. Are they going to panic or are they going to go and just attack the ball? So this is something I look at.
1: So, bro, I don't know if you know this, but C.J. McCollum played some receiver. A little flank. He's <laughs> probably about 5'7", 113 pounds.
0: Honestly, my best position was quarterback because I didn't like going across the middle, um, but I could lead somebody across the middle with, with no worries <laughs> and no hesitation. So honestly, I could have played football, but the uh, the weather in Ohio wasn't great for me. Um, don't like playing in the cold. Don't like being outside, and I couldn't imagine like a helmet to my hands. What in the cold? Never. I used to keep my hand warmer in. I used to keep my hand warmer in, and and go shotgun. Like I'll go no huddle shotgun, so I didn't have to take snaps.
4: I mean, once once you once you start playing, you just get warm and you're good at that point. So it's not that bad. But I mean, hey, it helped. I mean, releases are just like crossovers.
1: Exactly. But they bang.
4: you
6: bro?
1: No, it's the same thing. You're you're trailing CJ. He's he's in motion. You got to line him up. Are you trying to force CJ to the middle? Are you pressing him? You know, he's got a long arm. What are you doing? Because
0: now he's almost 6'4". What hey, I, I'm, a big, I'm a big Julio Jones type receiver minus the speed right now. I ain't going to lie to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're
4: we going to we gonna try to put our hands on him. I don't know if he wants
0: to be touched, So we're going to try to put our hands on him. I've been in the quarantine weight room. Man. You might want to back up because I ain't a speedster, but if we if we get press coverage and it's a jump ball, I like my chances. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I like my chances, but I'm getting off the line, bro. I'm I'm a good, I'm a good 200 plus pound receiver right now for sure. With a with a uh, he's, on
1: that, he's on that liquid uh grape diet.
0: Liquid grape water. Uh but I am you know keeping the carbs low. You know, we body fat is close to playing. Uh, weight is close to playing weight. I could go get 25 in a playoff game right now for sure. Ooh, you put it out there. Oh, mamas. Look, oh, mamas. Just just to make the record, just let the record straight. But I appreciate the insight on Justin because I've been watching from afar and and just kind of seeing his development uh, where he started off on the depth chart to where he's at now. And obviously, um, you have to work extremely hard to get drafted in general, but especially to get drafted as a quarterback after um, the start he had. You know, obviously, continuing to evolve. remember when they were talking about, like, is he a second rounder? Is he a first rounder? And now he's, now he's top ten, and it's in the bag is secured, and he's heading to Cali. So, well, I know, that's, that's I go one.
1: I got one more for Verone. Um, receiver-wise, Verone, who is, who's the best
4: guy you've gone up against? Oh, the best guy I've gone up against? The uh, best two guys, yeah. This, uh, let's see. Uh, ooh. Honestly, see that's the thing about our conference. There's a good receiver. We played a good receiver almost every game. I was going to say, what about Pittman? Ball Pittman's a baller. Period. I mean, we we started off slow against USC, so it, it went. We went. We did good afterwards, but no, Michael Pittman. That whole receiving core is good. We knew going into that game we were going to have to shut them down, kind of, to be able to kind of win that game. And then we just got the momentum. So, but Pittman, uh, Slaviska, Chanel. Yeah, well, he's he's a speed guy, right? He is. He's bigger, though, than you would think. Like, when he came on the field, it was like, oh, he's 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 big. Like, he was true. kind of Yeah. Wild. so So, um, who else is there? Uh, that's Oh, Hunter Bryant, I think is his name. UW, yeah, yeah. UW. Um, so, that's, those are some guys that, you know what I'm saying, they were pretty good. So.
1: Well, it won't be long before we're hearing you call. So, we appreciate you coming on. Draft League him. League <laughs> him.
4: League him. Still got more work to do, but definitely,
0: definitely. I appreciate you having me. No problem. And just for those of you that don't know, we're talking to Varone McKinley. McKinley. Varone McKinley the third. Oregon Ducks cornerback. Rocking 2-3 on his chest. <laughs> hails from Texas. Four picks as a freshman. You would have looked nice in a buckeye uniform, but it's okay. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't gonna go there. Yeah. <laughs>
4: We see. Hey, hopefully, we get this season. Second game of the
0: year. I look forward to tuning in. I'll definitely do. Next up. Oh, Ashley, shout it out. Justin Herbert, represented by Excel Sports Management. I was
1: waiting. I knew you were going to bring that up. We got an
0: Excel Sports Management class. (laughs) Now, another guy who has been. On Zoom for at least 90 minutes, he is wearing a Seahawks jersey, Daniel 2, curly hair, Seahawks fan. I love it. Welcome to the pull-up pod, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Daniel. Sorry you had to wait so long, man. That was a long, That's a long time to be waiting. I, I hope you were able to, to get some things done around the house and listen to some great football and basketball conversations. Seahawks fan, you don't have any quarterback problems uh, with Russell Wilson. You have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL locked in You know, for many, many years to come. Uh, all around good dude. I'm a big fan of him. If I had to buy a jersey for any player outside of my Browns, it would be him. It will be him, uh, because I am a big supporter and fan. But how would you dra- how would you grade? How would you grade the draft uh, this year by the Seahawks? And what are your expectations going forward? Are you thinking Super Bowl or bust? Like when you're a fan of a great team, <laughs> I don't know what it's like as a Browns fan. <laughs> when you're a fan of a great team, like <laughs> what, what kind of expectations do you have going into a season?
7: Yeah, the first thing with this draft, it's hard to tell if the Seahawks are preparing for Clowney to come back or, or not. So I know some people thought Brooks in the first round was a reach, but with Clowney's future unknown in Seattle, it makes sense. Um, he has Mahomes' blessing as a teammate from Texas Tech, so as Mahomes' the second-best quarterback behind Wilson. I'll take that. Um, but what's really concerned me in this draft is not really loading up on the O-line. Um, after, after the draft, cutting both Britt and Fluker, um, kind of huge losses. But Damian Lewis out of LSU uh, seems like a, a guy who can fill in right away and hopefully start to give Wilson a little more time in the pocket to make some magic happen. I like
0: it. I like the synopsis. It was quick. You know, a lot of fans that are, you know, wearing the red may argue that Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I have a friend, Travis Kelsey in particular, who would definitely argue on behalf of Mahomes. But I like it because Russell has been accurate. He's shown athleticism. He's shown poise. And at one point I had him winning the MVP of this last season until Lamar went bananas.
7: Yeah, and I think this last season we had so many injuries. Um, you know, we were just a few plays away from bumping up in the in the playoffs to get that home 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 field advantage. So you know, things could have gone our way. So hoping to kind of continue that success. Seeing Metcalf develop from his rookie year to this year as kind of a deep threat for Wilson should be good.
0: Yeah, I definitely like Metcalf. He's a guy who was a sleeper. Jordan's a big fan of Metcalf. His, his physicality, his 40 time, his ability to get off the line and his work ethic. You're talking about a guy who, as you know, you know, you watch the games, has you know, answered a lot of question marks about his route running, his ability to catch the ball, hold on to the ball. And Russell has really targeted him a lot, along with Tyler Lockett. I'm a big, big fan of Lockett, uh, undersized guy, does a little bit of everything, can return kicks and punts. Uh, playmaker and seems to never drop passes. So the Seahawks have a bright future. I, I've gone on record saying it, uh, besides my my Browns, obviously. I love my Browns. Um, the Seahawks are my other team now. I've adopted them, obviously. Not just due to ownership you know, purposes and that situation, but because they're close. I've been to games there. I understand the 12th man and what it has to offer. And I'm on board, so I'm watching from afar. I'm hoping that they continue to protect Russell. He needs it. Uh, we want to extend that career as long as possible. Uh, and we want to make sure that, you know, if, if the Browns can't win it all, it should be the Seahawks.
7: I'd be okay with the Browns-Seahawks Super Bowl this next year.
0: I'm with it. Let's speak into existence.
1: You know, I'm, I'm a Seattle guy, too, and I love the old throwback jersey. Very special. And we talked about DK. i um, He's the, such a great guy and really uh, just an absolute future superstar. But the question I have for you, Daniel, is do you believe that we are, as Seahawks fans, and I am a Seahawks fan at heart, do you believe that Seattle's done enough to protect Russell and keep
7: him feeling safe in the pocket because that's been the consistent theme over his career? I think the hard thing with Wilson is he's so good at making magic happen when the play breaks down that sometimes we're just waiting for the play to break down to see that magic. And I would love to see him have a few more seconds in the pocket on some of those throws, especially with Metcalf and Lockett going down, like downfield. So I, I think we could do should be doing more to protect the highest paid player in the NFL to, like CJ said, make sure we can keep him in a Seattle uniform, happy and healthy as long as we can. Well said. Where do you live, Daniel? Where do you live? I live in Canby, just south of Portland, a little bit in Oregon. Yep. Also, oh, you're a Blazer fan? Yes, sir.
3: <laughs> wow, I love City, it. City, baby. Yeah, big fan,
0: Rip City. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the insight you share and your love and affinity for the Seahawks. Um, great conversations. And I'm going to try to get you guys information. I didn't tell you this before, and I didn't tell my reps or anybody from my agency this before. But, you know, since you all have been such great guests for the pull-up pod. It's only right that I bless you guys, you know, with some tickets in your respective cities, you know, when we come to play there. So you being here makes it easier for you. I Obviously, the merch.
5: I got the pull-up merch.
0: He's got the pull-up merch. I got the tickets. Ashley will get your information. <laughs> I'm putting her to work again. She'll get your information and be able to bless you when it's time. So once again, we appreciate you. We got to move on to the next guest, Jonathan, we heard Jonathan's in the full fit. We've seen the fit. We've seen the fit. And I like the black, the background. I love the hat. It's giving me beach vibes. Tell me about the cults. Talk to me. Welcome to the pull of pot
6: Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me, you CJ and Jordan. I'm excited. <laughs> So to tell you, I'm very pumped about the Indianapolis Colts, you know. Um, I'm, I love what Chris Ballard's doing. I think he's established himself as a top three general manager in all of football. We didn't have a first-round pick because that pick went, of course, to San Francisco last month to acquire DeForest Buckner, who was a defensive force in the middle of the defensive line. So that, you can count that as our first-round pick, a phenomenal pick, a guy who's, who's a great player, all pro, and a very healthy guy in his prime. So I'm excited for that. Um, as for Michael Pittman Jr. being drafted in the second round, I'm excited about that. I've heard many buzz around people saying that, people meaning fans as well as draft analysts saying he's a resemblance of Michael Thomas, or at least shows flashes of Michael Thomas. He, Michael Pittman himself has stated he models his game compared to Brandon Marshall, Mike Evans, and Michael Thomas. So obviously, you know, it's very good company. Very excited to hear that. And it also gives Philip Rivers a big-body receiver that he's been used to throwing to his whole career and has had many success with. And it's a good compliment to also put him with two speedy, talented wide receivers in T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell. Hopefully he can stay healthy come 2020. So I'm excited for that to give us that balance in our run game as well. Speaking of our run game, not too long after that, we went with running back Jonathan Taylor, who's a great – Blend of size and speed. Five hundred, excuse me. Five ten, two hundred nineteen pounds. Runs a four three nine. You can't find many running backs that could have has that combination of size and speed. So that's very exciting. You know, I've seen a little bit of tape on him. He, he reminds me a little bit of a Le'Veon Bell in, in the aspect that he has patience when around the line of scrimmage. I know what that dominant offensive line that we have, which is, in my opinion, the best in the NFL. he will have a lot of success right off the bat. I expect him to do great things come twenty twenty in his rookie year to compliment Marlon Mack as well. And um, as for safety, Julian Blackman, that was our third pick. Um, it's a versatile defensive back. You know, he could play safety or cornerback, which is very good. We needed some depth in that area as well, especially since we traded Quincy Wilson to the New York Jets. So I like that pick. He was described as an enforcer by ESPN's Louis Riddick. So I hope he can be just that. Excited, <laughs> And uh, last but not least... Um, you know, we drafted Jacob Eason in the fourth round. Um, you know, I, I, it was a bit of a head scratch. I don't know what exactly what to think about that. I know the guy. I know the guy has some great, um, a great makeup in terms of his size six five, six six, two hundred thirty pounds. You can't teach that. He has a rocket over arm, similar to what Josh Allen has. So I'm very excited for that. But there's been questions about his work ethic and his accountability. I guess I, that came up based with the interviews he've had, he's had with yeah. general managers around the league. But I'm, I'm assuming Chris Ballard saw something that the rest didn't see. And, you know, I believe in Chris Ballard wholeheartedly. So he's going to have a lot of work to do. He's a raw product, but he's in a perfect situation to sit behind Philip Rivers for at least one season. And he has one of the best offensive-minded coaches in the NFL and a quarterback guru and um. Frank Reich. So again, you know, I'm excited. It's just going to take some time for him to flourish, but I'm looking to see what the future holds, not just for him, but in the, but for the Indianapolis Colts as a whole going forward come 2020. I expect them to compete for a championship. Wow. wow.
0: Mic drop, mic drop, a championship. Jonathan with Eason. a lot of mixed
1: reviews on him. I've heard a lot of negative stuff from like an attitude standpoint. He's super talented, and you're right. There's going to be a situation for him to find success. It'll be in Indianapolis. He makes mostly, though, I've heard, you like him, and um, he throws a great ball, but very inconsistent. So well, why not yeah. go to Indianapolis and sit under rivers and learn? So, uh, Absolutely.
0: I, I, we keep talking about this. Before I go into, like, the review of everything you talked about, one, I love Jonathan. I love I love that running back. He's a monster. I think he's gonna be great. <laughs> Jonathan, I love you too. But I love Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> but I love Jonathan Taylor. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be special. I'm a big fan of him. I watched him in the Big Ten, um, you know, running all over Ohio State, running all over everybody basically because of his versatility strength. It's a shame that running backs don't go in the first round anymore because he was definitely worthy. Of going in the first round, but uh, due to circumstances and how the NFL has kind of shifted, you know, he's forced to, to kind of fall back. I had Marlon Mack on my fantasy team last year, so it's kind of bad for me to be hyping Jonathan Taylor up like this, but I'm a big Marlon Mack fan too. He's still versatile, he's still helpful, and, and can change the franchise. But we've been talking about this Philip Rivers situation. Did Jacoby not prove himself? He yeah, had
1: that injury, he played awful. He, he was, he was. Unplayable,
6: CJ Jonathan, back me up here. Yeah, so um, with Jacoby Brissett, I mean, it's a bit complicated in this aspect. That in the first half of the year, when everybody was healthy, he was he was having a pretty good season. You know, he had a he had a great comeback drive against the Denver Broncos. I recall he was pretty consistent in complementing the running game that was already great from the start. And then when the receivers got injured, Ty Hilton wasn't 100. percent Despite the fact that he was playing in the second half of the year. We had other quality wide receivers that went down on injured reserve. And then if you recall the game against Pittsburgh, I believe back in week nine of last year, he hurt his knee very early in the game and he was just never really the same. But um, I'm not going to use that uh, completely as an excuse for him. Uh, There were some games too, where he was just constantly missing open guys and Jacoby just proved himself to, to be a a valuable backup, in my opinion, no disrespect to him. He can win you a few games here and there. Reminds me of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick in that sense, where you could come in and win you a few games if your starting quarterback is out. But he's not the long-term future. He's certainly no Andrew Luck that we had. (laughs) But, but, you know, I I do – Well, going back to Phil Rivers really quick, I do expect him to have a bounce back, yeah, even at age 38. You know, he's in a much better situation overall. Guys who can protect him with that offensive line and a much better running back. And he still has a solid core of receivers to throw to. So, I know,
0: I expect good things from him. I like how you stood firm on that. If you don't believe in Jacoby, you don't believe in him. You know, I feel that. I feel that. I'm a big Jacoby fan. I like to see the backups thrive and succeed. Obviously, he's no Andrew Luck. Andrew's a special, special talent and... In my mind, he's holding out to eventually return to the Patriots, but uh, that's, that hasn't been that hasn't been decided. yet. it hasn't been said. But in my in my mind, he comes back and plays for the Patriots, and they win a Super Bowl, and it's crazy. But you just never know. I also have to sh- <laughs> I know Jordan, it's wild. I also have to shout out my guy Malik Hooker. You know, Oh, Malik came to the game when we played against the Pacers. Uh, it seems as if you guys are trying to pay him, which is crazy, but it sounds very Indiana-like. So There's
6: been trade rumors, CJ. I don't know if you've heard about that.
0: I heard about the trade rumors, and I think it's because you guys don't want to come out of the pocket for a great, strong safety.
6: Well, the thing with Malik Hooker is he was a very raw product coming out of Ohio State because he only played one full season in 2016. And there were flashes of him potentially being the next Ed Reed or the next Be- or the. Best safety since Ed Reed, you know, that ball hawking safety who could who could intercept uh, balls all over the field. But he hasn't shown he's shown a little bit of that potential. I haven't seen nearly as much as I was hoping he would be. But, you know, for the right price, I would bring him back. But he's not he shouldn't be one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. He hasn't proven himself to that to be to play at that level. But that's my stance on Lee Coker.
0: I like the stance. I think a lot of times we get paid on potential. Right? So, he's been hurt. He's gone through a lot. He showed flashes. So, then that check is coming because you have potential to do things that they haven't seen before. Or like you said before, he could be the next Ed Reed or he could just be a serviceable starting caliber, strong safety. So, it'll be interesting to see what you guys decide to do with him. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And before this draft, I was in favor of him coming to Cleveland and making his return to, to Ohio for our Super Bowl run. But... You know, it looks like that may not be happening, but hey, you know, we've seen, we've seen crazier things happen, but I appreciate you joining the pull-up pod and sharing some insight and some knowledge. Excellent. Excellent job. Who do we got? Who do we have next, Jordan? Scroll, okay, so scroll. I'm
1: going to bring in this dude right here. This is my guy, Radeek. So as you, as you can imagine, CJ, I get a ton of, uh. I don't want to call it hate mail, but, you know, I get a lot, of, a lot of stuff talked at me, a lot of negative stuff. But I like to reply to people on Instagram. You know, if they have something to say, I'll listen. It doesn't have to be good. And uh, I challenged think to a, uh, a sports trivia debate, and uh, he did very well. And I promised him if he won or tied, basically, because it was basically a tie, that I'd bring him on. And so here you go. He did great. And uh, he's a 16-year-old kid, and he's a big sports
0: fan. Hey, what's up? Chief, welcome to the Polar Five. I like it. And he's got the headset. Look like you're ready to go play Call of Duty and lose to me in FIFA later. That's what it looked like.
5: Uh, ah, no, that's me who's gonna beat you. Who's your team? All right, so I'm from Massachusetts, so I'm a Patriots fan. Ah, uh. Uh, I, uh, I would grade the draft as a for us. I would give it a C we, we passed on Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Uh, we traded our first round pick, and then we took some random safety in the second round. <laughs> D two, shout out to the D two schools. Sugger is a baller, dude. I'm telling you, Lindor Ryan, he's a beast. You're gonna like him. And then, I hope so. And then we didn't draft a single wide receiver, so I don't really know yeah. what we're gonna do next year. Let me ask you this:
1: on a one to ten, what's your confidence level in Jared Stidham? Is it a two? Uh
5: probably a six because Wow,
6: okay.
5: yeah, Belichick, but he, I don't know, he still hasn't proven himself. I feel like we should have gotten Jameis or Cam or someone like that. Julian Allen, Hall of Famer, true or false. Uh true. True. He has like all the playoff records, yeah. so yeah. i me ask you this. Favorite pull
0: up host, C J or Jordan? Uh, DJ, of course, even I know that he, he, he thought about it, he had to think about it.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm
0: number two. Um, as a Patriots fan, you've experienced winning for so long, you've experienced greatness, you've experienced Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, random draft picks who turn out to be hits of success. You've also experienced, um, Very interesting tight ends. I won't go into details, but I've been watching the uh, Hernandez stuff and you guys have seen a lot, done a lot, been through a lot. Now you enter another phase and I'm interested to see how Patriots fans handle losing. Um, Welcome to the other side. Now, I just want to welcome you officially to the other side because Super Bowl is not happening this year. Um, How are you going to handle watching Tom Brady succeed in Tampa because he's going to succeed with those weapons? And... The fact that you guys won't have a serviceable quarterback until next year because you've passed on the mom and now you're going to settle, well I don't even know if it's settling because sunshine is is quite the player in Clemson and he will turn around that franchise, but how are you going to adjust? How will Sundays feel when you're 8 and 8 or 7 and 9 or dare I say it 6 and 10?
5: Oh, it's obviously going to be worse, but I think last year we kind of got used to it because last year was kind of a down year for us. So I think we've adjusted a little bit. (laughs) He said
0: it was a down year, you selfish Patriots fans. Make the playoffs and call it a down year?
5: Yeah, but I I don't think it will be that bad because we're playing in a bad division and we have Belichick, so I think we should be able to still make it as a wild card or something.
0: Are you being serious right now? You have that much faith in Belichick? Who's going to Who's gonna quarterback your franchise? If, this, if the season started right now, who's the quarterback? him. Oh, man. May the odds be forever in your favor. I appreciate the confidence that you have in Belichick, although you weren't sure of the Division II prospect who's going to be a great safety. I'm signing off on him now, and I don't even know, you know, what type of talent he has, but I know if Belichick drafted him in the second round over the Jim Thorpe winners— He must be special. Hopefully. All right, Rati. Be good, bro. I appreciate you, man. That was just my only question, man. I like how you stood firm on that and and said that last year was a down year. I respect it, man. The the Patriots fans have not been through a lot, but now (laughs) your time is coming, and I can't wait to see it. (laughs) So sorry. I'm so sorry, man. But, hey, it's only right as a Browns fan that we celebrate people who, you know, eventually stoop down to our level. That was great. I really I really did enjoy that. Um, I just feel like, you know, it was time for us to kind of open things up and, and, and allow fans to to really share their pleasure or displeasure for franchises. As a guy who's in the NBA, I get a lot of tweets about my performance or lack thereof at times, and I feel like as a fan of a sport like football— There's nothing like the excitement of draft day and there's nothing like the excitement of not making the playoffs and what that does to your psyche as you head into the next year. So for us, we've always celebrated the drafts because it's the highlight. It's the one time where things go right along with the bye week. And now we have OBJ, we have Juice, we have Baker who should be motivated. Baker's lost his dad bod and he's getting the abs back. We got Austin. We got arguably the best running back in the NFL. And we have new coaches. So um it's gonna be quite the right. It's gonna be very interesting. I think now is a time where, you know, we basically uh just talk to each other and, and really close this out strong here. I think that's I think that's the right thing to do. I'm I'm looking at the chat and there's tons of conversations going on here, so I'm trying to catch up. I think we should bring in all our listeners one by one, except for the 16-year-old, obviously, because you can't drink. <laughs> I think we should bring our listeners in And and get someone's uh, drink of the day You know we have the wine We cue the wine music and we read off our wines And we go through like what we've been drinking But I think we should have a drink of the day As Jeremy sips from the bottle We should have a drink of the day for (laughs) Besides our 16 year old Because you know we only drink responsibly And you must be 21 years or older to do just that Cue the wine music please And the drink music for the last Last of the last I have actually not been drinking much wine lately because my cleanse had started and I was just on the water diet, uh, water and weights and running and eating. But I have since ventured back into the wine world and I've been drinking some Adelsheim Bryant Creek, which is spectacular. Uh, it's got a great price point depending on what you're trying to spend. Bang for your buck, you can drink it with food or without food during the day, at nighttime, on the patio, on the couch, at the desk, depending on what you're doing and where you're doing it at, I think it's very functional and I've enjoyed it. So I would definitely recommend that to my listeners out there. I think it's a, a solid drink for you, depending on what type of wine you like. and. I will make sure that you get the wine list that we have, because as Joe said before, we should have a complete wine list of all the wines we've recommended on all the podcasts. 107 episodes with probably 80 wine <laughs> recommendations at least. At least. Um,
1: CJ, for me, Ashes and Diamonds Cab, really good cab out of Napa. Um, I'd say it's, well, I don't have my Vivino app. I never, I don't have, I don't use it like you. I don't know the canon level, the alcohol level. But we're looking for a great classic California cap, ashes and diamonds.
0: Boom. I love it. Ashley, it's time for you to unmute the masses. Let's start with Daniel two. I know I know you're drinking water. Drinking
7: water right now, and CJ, you're gonna hate me because I'm not drinking much wine right now. My wife's pregnant, so she can't. But my, wow. my, my drink my drink. My drink oh, of the day has been Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola.
0: I love it. I ah, love it. Jack and Coke. I love it. I Those like, babies I here we will be back out at the vineyard, though. Okay. That's what I like. Are you taking one for the team? That, that's very respectable of you. I'd be sneaking a drink by... Uh, <laughs> sneaking some wine on the low. <laughs> oh next man up his name is not Charlotte
3: uh, my drink of choice when I drink wine I, I, I like a Rodney strong Cabernet um, I, I don't drink that often like other guests on the show I like to drink a lot of water and stay hydrated um, I, love it. I, I, I do have a nice glass of Rodney strong Cabernet um, every now and then and I also if I don't feel like wine, I like a nice glass of bourbon, a nice big ice cube. Some whiskey oh, yeah, almost does the job for me. Olive. You just be one of those, one one finger of that, I feel pretty good for the night, so that's my drink of
0: choice. Find your buzz, find your buzz, find your buzz. Hydrate, 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 hydrate. J-Man, J-Man, J-Man.
3: Well,
2: you know, hydration is key to success. And I hydrate as often as possible. Right now, I'm sitting here I just got done watching Uncorked on Netflix. I like it. And they they said a nice little reference there was he was describing what to drink to a nice young lady. Uh, He he was comparing them to rappers. So I grabbed me a nice little Pacific Rim sweet Riesling from Washington. He said that it is like the Drake of wines, which I I feel because I am also a black Jew. Me and Drake are together drinking this wine. Having a great time. And then if it's not wine, you know, we gotta we gotta stay with the Ciroc, you know. Me and your brother are legendary as at Ciroc Kings <laughs> in Northeast Ohio. So gotta, gotta Ciroc get Ciroc boys. and
0: Sprite. Ciroc Boy, Ciroc Boy, Ciroc boys Shout out to We're in the building tonight. <laughs> Shout out to Titty. Well remember, listeners, kids out there must be 21 years or older to attempt. Please drink responsibly. Once again, we want to thank all our listeners for tuning in faithfully to the Pull Up Pod. We want to thank our special guests coming from Twitter, the community, uh, Instagram, among many other places. Uh, Maybe at some point in the future, we'll recircle, recircle, we'll circle back uh, to this format and and, and try it out some more. Uh, We got a lot more in store for everyone out there. Jordan, it's been a pleasure, as always. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, radio.com, backslash pull up with CJ or wherever you get your shows. For the 107th episode, we always tell them don't forget to.